What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by the always amazing Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G, you're equally amazing. It's good to hear from you. Hey, MMA fans, how are you? I am doing well. I am very busy. I've got some stuff in the works. I've been talking a lot of MMA. I've been recapping a lot of MMA. So it's just been a very consistent week of work. What about yourself? Yeah, this last weekend was definitely fun. Lots of great fights to talk about. Um, I've been continuing training, which has been super fun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you're ready to off all those other people trying to become my podcast partners. What I'm <laughs> yes, bring it. So let me ask you a question. So if you see a chick who wants to be my podcast partner, do you want to choke her out or do you want to break arms? I'm not trying to break bones, but I will submit a girl if she's trying to steal my number one spot. So you'll put her to sleep. Okay. I, I kind of, I like that intensity from you. I want you to know I feel very protected right now, Kayla. <laughs> um, well, I was going to ask you, I know that you are a big fan of maybe doing a show with European accents, and I feel like this would have been the perfect show to do so. Today's episode, Party in the UK, we had not one, but two cards in the United Kingdom, and the retirement of a pioneer of UK MMA. So, I don't know, Miss Beatty, uh, do you want to do your accent? You know what? You've never done yours. I've done mine on the show. I definitely tried last time with you, but no, I had not, uh, I wasn't prepared for this and definitely haven't rehearsed, so I don't want to lose any UK fans by offending them with my terrible British accent. I think they would be flat. Imitation is the best form of flattery. <laughs> but no, let's talk about it. Let's start with the UFC, obviously from Liverpool. I don't want to say it was the first time there, but it is very, um, not one of their more frequently visited cities compared to London or Manchester. But they delivered, okay, live, this fight was, I think, a lot more exciting than maybe people would feel like if they were to rewatch it already knowing the decision. Stephen Thompson versus Darren Till. Kayla, uh, all right, you know what? Uh, before we talk about the fight, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but it's everyone's been talking about it. In your opinion, who won that fight? You know, that fight was hard because... It was close looking at the, the stats of it. I have it pulled up today. You know, Darren Till with 120, or both of them had 126 significant strikes thrown. Um, he got 38 out of, against uh, Stephen Thompson's 30. Total strikes, 129 versus Thompson's 127 thrown. So the fight was close for sure. I think that the takedown and, yes, maybe the pressure um, won it for Till, but it, it was a super close fight. I'm not, I'm not surprised that it has some controversy behind it. I do understand how people are saying that, um, you know, the, the pressure that Darren Till put on shouldn't be the factor that won him the fight. But if these are the stats, it was, it was definitely close. And then, you know, he did. He had the home court advantage, which we know – in the past has definitely won fighters that fight. Um, I want to hear from Eugene, and then I just want to talk to I, I was just a little disappointed from both men, too, but I'll get into that after we hear from you. Yeah, so real quick, did you have Till winning that one? I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. After watching the fight, I didn't even really try to score it, or, or I was just looking to see what the decision was because I was just kind of disappointed that it even went to decision. But I guess, yeah, I think when when thinking about watching it back the first time, I guess I gave it to Till. Yeah, um, I had it for Thompson. I think the biggest indicator of how close this one was was in the scorecards. If you look at them, one judge, they gave Till rounds two, four, and five. The other judge gave Till rounds two through five. And then the final judge gave Till round one and two, and then only four and five. So... This was a close fight by a lot of um, different statistics. I think, yeah, by the numbers, it was Till. But when you were watching, I felt like Thompson personally 
was the one really connecting cleaner. Like, yes, not all significant strikes are the same. We've been hearing that a lot this year. But I think this fight really was a big indicator. I personally felt like Thompson was just having the cleaner shots more frequently. That's not to say it wasn't a competitive fight. Now, when people talk about the match itself and exciting, I, watching it live, liked it because both men come out hands low, looking very confident. I was edge of my seat because I felt like this was the perfect recipe for someone to score an exciting knockout. I felt that way getting into it. As the round went on, I settled in. I was impressed with Darren's aggression and forward pressure. I think that he had a good game plan. Live, I don't think he executed it as well as he could have. I think that there were a lot of times he missed Thompson where he really should have been able to catch him, especially how often Thompson was fighting with his back to the fence. So that's why I felt like Wonder Boy did have the edge. I Obviously, he did have the home crowd. I acknowledge that too. I think that had a big part of it. But um, I felt like Till just wasn't getting to him as often as he needed to. But I think once again, and this is another fight, I think we talked about it with Michelle Watterson, Courtney Casey, Alistair Overeem, Fabrizio Verdum. Is it aggression over accuracy? Because I think you would really give Till every round on being the aggressor, controlling the action. But Thompson maybe was a little cleaner, just not as frequently. And I think that's why the scoring is the way it was in this one. But what was the other point you wanted to make? Yeah, I mean, I just think that where both men are at or where they were at going into this fight, Till having a lot of hype behind him, you know, getting a main event in Liverpool. And then Stephen Thompson coming off of two fights that a lot of people have called boring. Um, I just, I get it. They're not a Justin Gaethje, you know, just going in there, not afraid to get hit over and over again. But I feel like when you're at this point in your career where you need a finish and you're headlining this main event that, you know, a lot of people, like you said yourself, we all got on the edge of our seat when this main event started because we were all hoping for an amazing knockout um, or finish. I just feel like both men going into those main event rounds maybe should have just kind of gone for it more. And I'm not, and I know that that's not necessarily um, their style, but I just feel like where they were at in their career right now, it doesn't look good for this fight to go to decision. And, you know, it's disappointing for fans because then we have all these people arguing over, you know, bad uh, scoring with judging too. Yeah, I think to me, um, I agree with you. I think especially for Thompson, I would have liked more sense of urgency. I feel like he really opened up for Till to get himself back in there, which obviously was the deciding factor. I think Thompson plateaued in round four, and that was the one you really need, especially if you know these first three rounds are close. I think statistically, the first round, very even. The same thing for the third. So I think that it was really... Like you said, disappointing. I think um, at a certain point, I think you got to feel like the knockout wasn't going to happen. So I need you to take more risks to really lock this in. And also, I think stylistically, we know what Thompson is a counter striker. I think Till was trying more. I think he maybe didn't go for as much as usual out of respect for Thompson's skills. But of course, it didn't play out with the most exciting finish. And to my point now, if you know that no one gets knocked out and you watch that fight again, you probably think it's pretty slow considering that neither guy really took as many risks. So I think that's really one of the things about that fight is just um, very different. Now, of course, this is still part of our month of welterweights, Kayla. Darren Till got the victory. He had a very interesting approach. He said, I beat Thompson, but I still think Thompson should get a title shot. I read that as out of respect for him knowing he missed weight and acknowledging that it was a close fight. But I don't think that was the best move if you're probably trying to argue a title shot. Um, let's talk about it. RDA and Colby are fighting for the interim title uh, next week. We just had Kamaru Usman win. What's next for Darren Till in the welterweight division? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely don't think that that performance was worthy of the title shot. 
Um, and I think that he does. He needs to continue fighting some of these, um, you know, got top guys. So I like the idea of a fight with him against Kamaru or Jorge Masvidal. Um, you know, see how the RDA and Colby one plays out. But, um, you know, this is what I'm saying. is the hype behind him of people thinking that, you know, this fight was going to have him jump, uh, you know, over RDA, who's been sitting around fighting for a few interim title belts. I think that's ridiculous. And, you know, he didn't get a performance that I think is worthy of that. So I think, yeah, fight with, I like the fight with Jorge Masvidal um, or Kamaru. I think Kamaru though, too, is someone that was a little more disappointing in his last performance. I think um, fans and fighters maybe should, I guess just, uh, I don't even want to say like, watch what they say it's also watch what they type nowadays too but a lot of people want to build a lot of hype and then they don't deliver yeah and i think um uh, for one if you're there until i think that the fight would have if he had knocked out stephen thompson in the first round i think that he would really have a little more good graces in terms of getting a title shot but um i, I will say this stylistically i like that fight with masvidal I think in the rankings, though, it's a bit of a step backward. I think that Masvidal really needs to build himself back up. Right now, I'm going to say it like it is. Even stylistically, I don't like the fight with Kamaru now because I feel like that one is a little two guys who might cancel each other out a bit. Um, do I you think feel like then, I mean, do you feel like Darren Till was ranked correctly after a win over Cowboy, uh, after a win over Donald Cerrone? I mean, this is why I think it's kind of silly sometimes how these fighters get this like quick boost uh, among the rankings. And it's like, no, maybe you should have fought a few more people before you were just shot, you know, in a top spot. Uh, I'll be honest. The way he took out Cowboy, I, I think there've been bigger mismatches that I wasn't, I'll use the word outraged about the Stephen Thompson fight being made. But I do think that, you know, he has more to prove. For example, the weight miss. I, I acknowledge he had a family emergency and I hope everything is all right. But I have to say it like it is. This is the second fight where he's missed weight. And he's also talked about he is a big welterweight. He blew up to about 200 pounds for the fight with Cowboy. Um, I think that that's, you need to address that, obviously, if you're talking about making it to a championship fight, seriously. And then I think you got to also think about, can you deliver exciting fights consistently before we're talking about you? But I think he was just a breath of fresh air if maybe you weren't riding high on Kamaru or Colby. Um, so I think that's why maybe he got that boost. Also, we're going to talk about it in a bit, but you want more English fighters to help build the brand. Maybe that helped out in terms of the promotion a little bit, considering who is no longer going to be stepping into the cage in the future. So I think that might be part of it. Um, before we move on, I will say this. I like either Kamaru, if you're going to put him with somebody, or depending on the weight, probably the loser of RDA versus Colby. I think that could be another fight that really locks him in. But I think that if you go back to someone like, say, Jorge or Anil Magni, for example, I think that would actually be taking a step back, considering you did get awarded this decision over Stephen Thompson. Moving on, in the co-main event, more welterweight action. Neil Magny versus Craig White. Craig White coming in on two weeks' notice to make his UFC debut. Um, another popular English fighter, but Neil Magny just wasn't going to be denied. What did you think of this one-round fight? Yeah, I mean, that's what's so crazy to me is that, like, Darren Till taking, you know, a fight with, like, a Neil Magny or Kamaru or Jorge is a step back because it's like – He's he what what do they say um after his win? I think he's just behind Matt Hughes and GSP for most wins in the division. Um, he looked great. He took out a guy again that I think the promotion was really trying to just push. Um I I wish we would have seen more out of Craig White just because I wanted to see I was really excited actually to see him perform more than anybody on the card just because he got this co-main spot, you know, for his um, promotional debut. But, yeah, I mean, Neil Magny looked good. He caught him with that knee and, and 
you know, finish the job. He saw an opportunity to get that win and get that quick first round finish. So. Yeah, I think that for Neil Magny, he's a weird guy because he's got a great record. I think it's just similar to, um, uh, you know what he reminds me of? Someone similar to Dustin Poirier without, um, how do I put it? Without the uh, excitement factor, I would, I'm going to call it. Because he's won so many fights, he's been right there. But it just feels like he runs into that just bad matchup and he gets stopped badly every time you think he's about to have that ascension to the elite level. Does that make sense? Yeah, all of his losses have come to, like, the top five guys for some yeah. reason. And they're always, like, those fights where it's like he wins and you're talking about a title contender. I think that's the thing that really is the tough part about Neil. But he's clearly a very consistent guy. He's had some big wins. He was coming off the victory over Carlos Condit. Um, I think that Craig came out with a good game plan, maybe just not prepared to execute it. You know, I know I just said that, but it's true. He came in, tried to tie up Neil and slow him down. But Neil Magny, I think this is the difference. He wasn't looking to defend when he was putting the clinch. He was looking to set up his own offense still. And I think that's something that's the difference between a veteran and somebody still working their way up is that Neil knew how to not only get out of the position, but turn it to his advantage. And we really saw how it was just one-way traffic from there. Um, Kayla, I will say this, like... With the rankings, it's really tough because I think that Neil deserves to be higher than he is. I like a fight with Jorge Masvidal. If Darren Till is going to wait for a title shot, just, hey, he took out the number one guy. I don't mind the fight with Kamaru Usman either. I I respect the fact that he's taken aim at these guys, but it's really tough to match him up right now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think a fight with one of those three guys that you mentioned makes sense just as far as the rankings. Um, and I don't know. There's, It's weird that he's not more marketable because after a big win, taking out a guy that they were hyping up, you know, he should he should get a good fight uh, next. So, yeah, maybe a Jorge Masvidal, maybe a Kamaru. Yeah, and I think those fights would really serve him well to move him up. Um also got to say, it's a bit of a part of business. It's the act. Darren Till is a new face. Santiago, reasonably new also. Kamaru, somewhere in the middle. But we, I think it's the fact that we feel like Neil Magny has been here for a while. That you kind of, I'm going to just say it, it's a bit of fatigue. Unfairly so. But I think that's why maybe he struggled. But I think that if he gets another big fight, I think 2018 could still set him up for a breakout year. He's just got to stay consistent. Moving on, there was a lot of fun stuff from Liverpool. There were a lot of fun fights. Uh, Jillian Robertson, Molly McCann was a fun one. Um, Arnold Allen, Jason Knight, a lot of fun performances. So I really enjoyed that nice little early Sunday card for us here in the United States. But Mm -hmm. Kayla... Friday night, Bellator 200. Lots of fun. Let's start with the main event. Rafael Carvalho versus Gegard Mousasi. I thought this fight was going to last so much longer. I thought that Rafael was really going to have a lot more. But Gegard Mousasi showing why he's one of the best middleweights in the world, not just in Bellator. What did you think of this fight? Yeah, I mean, I think just like you said, Gegard Mousasi is just someone that, you know, he's one of those guys that that came from the UFC and, and clearly, you know, came in with maybe the just more experience or maybe more skill level, but he looked great. If you're going to take the belt from a champion, that's the way to do it. Um, having that top pressure and, and, and I think just experience over, um, over Rafael, even though he himself is a decorate, was a decorated champion. Um, I just think Agard was the, the more skilled and experienced fighter. Yeah, I think it was all systems go for Gegard. I think the thing, I'll be honest, when I look at Musasi, the thing that makes me sleep on him compared to the uh, other people we consider the top guys, it's speed and explosiveness. I feel like there are a lot of guys with skills, but because they have that extra athleticism factor that I feel like they tend to have an edge against Gegard. And I thought that Rafael had a little bit of that going in his way 
So when Gega Musasi just came in, really did a good job defending forward pressure, uh, I was just impressed that he made it so easy. It looked like he just was able to roll out of bed and get that finish. Um, he really did a good job. I know you're training. You can respect the way he was able to just essentially neutralize and tie up Rafael for that victory. So really, he's a guy you got to just keep your eye on. I think he's now set himself up. And let's talk about it. He called out Rory McDonald. Kayla, I like that fight because the way I see it, Gegard just beat Shlomenko, who you would say is the second best middleweight in Bellator, mm-hmm. and now champion Rafael. Rory beat Paul Daly and Douglas Lima, arguably the top two Bellator welterweights. I think this is a fight that you could easily make right now. I don't have a problem with it. What about you? Yeah, I'm usually more about, you know, when someone wins a belt that they should defend it a few times. But I think that adding to the points that you just made of who the men have faced, you know, recently, I think that a champ versus champ fight for Bellator actually would be really great for the promotion. We know that UFC is about to have one between Stipe and Daniel Cormier. Um, I just think that, yeah, where both men are at right now, it's a fight that people would want to see just because it would be exciting skill-wise, but then I think it would just also bring a lot of attention um, and, and more eyes to Bellator. So I, I'm not mad at it either. I think it's a great fight to make. I hope Scott Coker you know, seemed to, seemed to shut it down, um, and it seems like they have a fight already in mind for Rory, but I hope that they don't put this off, you know, for too long because I think right now just the timing of you know other promotions doing this I think even one championship was trying to say that they wanted to do a a promotional champ versus champ there's there's some you know hype around that and some talk about um, these champ versus champ fights so I think it'd be smart and wise for Bellator to jump on the bandwagon too yeah I I mean I think the only thing I could think of is that they want to make Rory versus John Fitch just to have that extra fight. I think that um, I, I just feel like it would be a win-win for the promotion. Just let's say Rory wins. Well, you've made him a bigger star than ever. If he loses, you still have a great welterweight and he could just come back. John Fitch isn't going anywhere. Um, I think this one makes sense because I feel like if you don't give a title shot to John Fitch, you'd only give it to this other guy who won in the co-main event. So I'm going to transition to that one. <laughs> Michael Page versus David Rickles. Kayla, I I have cannot recall the last time I saw a guy come in with that much swag and deliver inside the cage. What did you think of Venom? I mean, from the start of even David Rickles' walkout until the end of the fight, I had a giant smile on my face. I really, really, I almost, I kind of wish that, um, and you know, some of the younger guys, but I kind of, I'm hoping that some of these younger guys in Bellator will continue, um, you know, the entertainment value of the walkouts because it's something that MMA fans do enjoy. You know, Pride used to be known for their elaborate walkouts, all of that. And and a lot of the promotions still do it over there. But um, I really enjoy some of Bellator's walkouts. David Rickles was super fun. Of course, Michael Venom Page. I mean, the dancing, the interaction with fans, it it made it really fun to watch. And his performance inside the cage, I mean, it's crazy to me because people, you know, I was talking to various MMA fans over social media about this and, People still want to hate on MVP and say, oh, well, he hasn't faced top guys. But David Rickles it was a tough competitor, and he got him to quit inside there. I mean, that was – I almost wanted to post about that as my favorite fight of the night, but I feel like it was a little bit more one-sided, of course. Um, but for sure an exciting um, you know, entertainer and just skilled fighter. Yeah, I think people sleep on MVP. You got to remember, he beat Fernando Gonzalez, a tough Bellator veteran. He beat, you know, Rickles was another guy. I think people forget Rickles has among the most fights in Bellator of anyone on the roster right now. He's been in there with a lot of people. And I think the thing that shocks me is that we knew MVP could make it look good. We didn't think he'd make it look that, that good. good. <laughs> yes, 
ridiculous. Like you, I love what you said about Francis Ngannou over him. We all knew that could happen, but the fact that he still made it look that devastating and still had that shock factor, that to me is so impressive. Um, I had to mention it on social media. I don't know how they don't make MVP versus Paul Daly. I feel like that fight is just... Um, put it this way. That's like the welterweight Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. Just how can it not be fun? In my right. Opinion? I mean, I think that that fight is going to happen. I think that um, the only thing that probably put, you know, put a stop on it is MVP wanting to you know, try to try out boxing and, and Paul Daly maybe having his, um, uh, what's the word to use? Argument? Uh, let's disagreement. With Disagreements. Bellator. Yeah. With, with Bellator. But I think, you know, he wasn't in, in attendance and audience and it, it <laughs> he showed his face. It just looked like he wanted a piece of MVP just cause just because MVP had such an entertaining and, and, um, you know, dominant performance in there paul daly just looked hungry to punch him in the face well what i i spoke with paul and i asked him and he was like look i've promised some fights i promised lorenz larkin a fight i've promised mvp a fight Mm -hmm. and he told me i'm a man of my word so i really like that i think that um uh, look, it's tough because I feel like it's disrespectful to John Fitch, but I'm going to say it. I think that you can make MVP daily and put it as the co-main event of Rory and Gegard, and you'd have a super fight, and you'd put pressure for Rory to come back to 170 and defend that belt if MVP were to win. Yeah, I, think, I like that. Yeah, I think that's just smart business making. Or if you want to have it headline its own card, I think you could do that, too. I think it would just be a lot of fun. I think people are really riding the hype. Like you said, it's about, is MVP going to stay active in MMA? Is it, you know, can they get him that matchup and make it happen? That's what it's going to be relying on. And, you know, G, I read yesterday that Bellator is working on some... They're basically just going to be working on more fights catered to the UK. Um, You know, we've had... Over the years, a lot of the UK fans, even some of media have mentioned over and over again, you know, it's so hard for us to catch the fights. And of course, yeah, with the the tape delay, all of that, um, you know, being an issue for everybody. But I did read that Bellator has plans to really um, cater to their UK fans within the next year. So it would make sense for them to put that fight together, you know, as as one of these, you know, fights dedicated to those fans and giving them something. So I'm sure it's going to happen. Maybe that was one of the reasons why we haven't seen it already. Yeah. Well, whatever, as I understand it is that it's almost like its own separate series. Like Bellator is going to have their, I think they said 22 events like they do every year ish right now, but that the UK events are like specifically going to be just UK exclusive. Like it's just like its own smaller five card, five fight card that they just kind of do as a special as they build their fan base in the UK, which I'm a fan of because if you do decide to load one of these, I think that's a no brainer, obviously too. So, but yeah, I think we have to get our accents down and make a trip overseas. Oh my gosh. (laughs) All right. So here's my question then it's 15 hours to the UK or something from Los Angeles. Uh, what movie are we, what movies are we bringing for that flight? Um, I'm going to say it right now. You're about to be introduced to the world of superhero movies. Oh, getting one. No, I'm going to say, let's watch some, some cheeky British films. Okay. I'm with that. We'll, we'll alternate. How about that? Okay. Sounds good. All right. Moving on. uh, Oh, well, of course, you know, it wouldn't be a party in the UK without easily the biggest pioneer in British mixed martial arts announcing his retirement. You know, I'm a huge fan of this guy, Michael Bisping, saying that he is hanging up the gloves. He went on his podcast on Monday to say that that's this is just where he's at. Um, you know, I could go off. So, Kayla, I want to just toss it to you real quick. Um, the career of Michael Bisping, polarizing unexpected but he definitely you got to give him his credit for what he's done inside the cage just 
thoughts on his career? Yeah, well, I thought it was very interesting timing and a great way to finish the Brit or the UK, you know, weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he's going to be go most likely be put in the Hall of Fame, but definitely go down in history for having one hell of a career. Um, all of the, you know, accomplishments he's made, uh, you know, not only in his performances and being a dominant champion, but also like you were saying, I think either over social media, or maybe you just said it right now, um, you know, just being a pioneer for, for UK fighters. Um, and you know, he's great as an, uh, as an analyst too, and working the desk. So I think it was smart for him if he really, you know, doesn't want a chance taking another fight and, and taking more damage, then then why not retire and retire when UK fans are really, you know, hyped up anyway, just because they got so many great fights over the weekend. Um, and now he can just work that desk job and, and other opportunities that are thrown his way. So congratulations to him. Gee, I know that he's always been one of your favorite fighters, and I think you've met him a few times, right? I met him once back in 2011 before I ever did one fighter interview. Before I even knew that I was going to try to do reporting, I met him as a fan. I had asked him because at this time he was actually still winning a lot, but um, fans were obviously still very fond of booing him out of every room he was in. And I asked him, you know, like, bro, I think he was coming off the fight with Mayhem. And I was like, dude, that was a fun fight. I don't get why they don't, you know, give you a little more love for your performances. And he said to me, you know what? I've had to come to learn that it just comes with the territory. And he was very respectful. I remember so many people were booing him, but he was still so nice to everybody. I'll always remember that about Michael Bisping. And I always say this story, I'm the only person I know who picked him to win against Dan Henderson the first time. We know how that ended. <laughs> but I also was one of the few people who picked him to upset Luke Rockhold for the championship on two weeks' notice. And he made me look like a genius. So I always tell that story. I was just always impressed by his tenacity. So many title eliminators lost, but he'd always still bring it and be so consistent. That to me, and also stylistically, I actually, when I used to train also, I took a lot of notes on watching Michael because I felt like he was somebody I could emulate. And um, I could not, you know fight like him but I was able to implement a few things and I always say you know like I was watching Bisping and I figured out I could do that too so I always give him his credit he is one of my top five favorites just I I always thought he brought excitement he made it a fun show every time so much respect to Michael Bisping I look forward to seeing you at the desk acting and everything else so congratulations on a great career Moving on, Kayla, it's not just the UK. I think the MMA world is in for a change. The top story last week, Fox is out. ESPN will be the new UFC broadcast partner starting in 2019. Kayla, their new deal combined with TV and on the app for several years is worth $1.5 billion. Wow. Cha-ching. <laughs> I mean, just, okay, a uh, little bit of um, X's and O's. Under the New Deal, there will be 10 events that air on ESPN TV, which means whether it's Big ESPN or ESPN2 or one of their other networks. 20 fight cards on the ESPN Plus app. Also, they are still going to have 12 pay-per-views and the prelims for those cards are going to air on the ESPN Plus app. Kayla, this is now means that two-thirds of UFC programming is now only going to be online on the app. How do you feel this changes the business? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to make a change in the business. And it's it, it, somebody needed to to try this out and take this next step because it's where the world's going everyone watches their content 
you know, um, not everyone, but a, a majority of people are just moving in this direction of watching their content through apps online. Um, you know, they, the UFC is partnered and, and working and has new owners with people that have been, you know, doing this for a long time that are very aware of where the world's going, how they want to market stuff. Um, so I'm sure that they've thought this out and, and have their reasonings of, of making these changes. So um, I think it's really smart on their part. I think that um, other promotions, it's going to be, that's what I'm most interested to see is, you know, them being these guinea pigs of moving in this direction. It's going to be interesting to see how it affects companies like Bellator that, you know, still get a lot of slack for having tape delay. It's really going to pressure them to kind of step up their game. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm more intrigued to see is how it's going to affect these other promotions and how their viewings, um, you know, either hurt or maybe it'll benefit them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's good for us. I would, I know that I had a few people messaging me that were saying, well, Hey, is this going to affect anyone outside of the U S? So I'm glad that you are also incorporating this in our talk today about how Dana White kind of shed a little bit more light on the UFC deal and those, um, you know, particular points in, in the deal that people wanted to have him address. Because I know that was a concern. Is is it are people outside of the US going to be able to watch? Yeah, um, and we'll get on that. But uh, the the short answer is yes, they will. Um, obviously, uh, look, first off, on ESPN exposure as a brand, ESPN is just flat out bigger than Fox, um, just in terms of sports. So I think that that's just huge. I think you're going to see growth there. I think you're going to see it. Um, a little differently than before. And I know that's saying a lot, but I think that when you put it with the brand and when you think about what that kind of promotional muscle carries, I think you can't, uh, I think it's, you know, virtually impossible to not see some kind of growth there in the company and in the sport as a whole. Um, my thing, Kayla, and look, we're at, at this point, most people you probably know in the first world, they have Netflix and whether you have it on your TV or you watch it on your phone or you do that thing now with technology, you could send it from your phone or your computer to your TV. It's not unheard of to do a lot of streaming of content and your favorite programming. So yes, it's a little different that, Oh, you can't just tune in at seven o'clock on Saturday on channel, whatever to watch UFC, but you know, you can still, get your content essentially at the same in the same way you can still watch your ufc events on your tv that's not going to be an issue my question to you because it's obviously the big one do you think fans will still watch in the same numbers on the app as they do when it's on cable tv um and i know it's a loaded question but it really is the end point at the end of it yeah, well, that'll be, it'll just be interesting because like you said, you know, now them partnering with ESPN is just going to open up, you know, a broader fan base. I would hope people that were always, and maybe just didn't tune into MMA because they're tuning into ESPN and going to come across and, and see more, you know, of the ads and, and c commercials for fights, whatever. It's going to bring in new fans. And so if they do lose any that just don't want to pay for this app, download it, have it set up, I would hope that, you know, them partnering with ESPN is just going to grow the sport and grow the fan base to where it'll, you know, almost even out, if not do better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do see the the real MMA fans. Of course, they're going to want to watch these top fights. And then it, uh, it's going to go down too to, you know, fights, the right fights being matched and the right fights being put on TV versus the 20 events on the apps. They're going to have to really schedule things correctly too to, you know, have a, a draw and a reason for people to download the app and make it worth it. I agree. I think scheduling is big. Health is even bigger. You can schedule however many fights you want. If guys and girls get hurt, it changes everything on your calendar. So those and are the two big things. Go ahead. That's why, you know, I get so frustrated with this main event and how it turned out because, you know, when you have fighters missing weight um, or, you know, 
fights playing out the way that they do, it, it, it does pull, have fans pull away a little bit. You know, every time a fighter misses weight, I'm not going to, to be honest, like I, my excitement, you know, kind of um, dimmers down a little bit. No, uh, that's completely you know, me. You know, if they, if they didn't make weight, then I'm like, okay, well then you're not a real welterweight um, or you're having some issues and this hype behind you of you possibly getting a title shot. I don't think you're ready. So you're saying principal Kayla likes to put a lot of fighters in detention. <laughs> I'm just saying that they need to match people and promote people accordingly because it's going to make people turn away from wanting to download this app if your fights aren't turning out, you know, or these matches aren't turning out the way that fans are hoping they will. Uh, I agree. I think that's a big one. Um, uh, one final point on this that I feel like is going to be the key factor. When I think about, for example, if I were to watch stuff on Netflix, for example, like, okay, the convenience I feel in that is that, okay, any my shows are there for me to start watching anytime I want. Like if I want to go through 10 episodes or whatever, what have you after work and I get off at work at one. I mean, I'm not saying I do that because obviously I wouldn't sleep, but it's right there. I could do it anytime I want. With now, you know, the event is going to stream live at, let's say, same time, 7 p.m. Saturday. Well, now you're saying, you know, it's one thing when you tune in on TV, but now it's like, oh, I have to turn on my app at exactly this time to watch it live. Or, of course, spoilers, um, by that evening, all your social media, just like it is now, is going to be saying, you know, Justin Gaethje beat... uh, Kevin Lee or what have you, um, something like that. So I think that there is a bit of a disconnect there because, yes, everyone streams. But the thing about streaming on an app is that you can't you tend to do it at your own convenience. This now means that you're going to have to do it at a scheduled time. And I'm not sure if that, you know, is still going to go as smoothly outside of the hardcore fans, because the hardcore fans, like you said, are going to tune in at the right time. So, yeah, it's a lot to watch. And, of course, Dana White did shed further details on how it's going to change business. So he was in Liverpool, and he answered these things. First off, regarding Fight Pass, because it is still going to exist. He said that the entire library of UFC fights is still going to be on the app, as well as exclusive content, such as The Exchange with Megan O'Leary, or events like Invicta, which still only air on Fight Pass. He also said that ESPN Plus is a deal only for the United States. So fans outside, you know, the U.S. are still going to be getting all their fights on Fight Pass. In terms of the Ultimate Fighter, he did say that right now it's unclear. They haven't decided yet on whether or not they're going to move forward. He did say that he does have the option to produce more content. We are assuming that means the Contender Series But it could still be the ultimate fighter. He acknowledged that this could well be the last season of Tough. So, Kayla, let me start with the first one. If you have all the fights on ESPN+, Plus, like all the UFC fights in history, which is what I think, which is what I've been indicated that they're going to have on ESPN+, Plus, do you still keep paying for Fight Pass just for stuff like Invicta? Um, do I? Yes, but that's because I need to watch because all it's the our job. recap. Yeah. It's like, because it's my job, I have to have it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, again, it's just how, how big of an MMA fan are you? Um, you know, are you someone that likes to watch more than just UFC that you want to watch some of these other fights and, and watch these female fighters or other promotions and see these up and coming fighters? Are you someone that enjoys all of the other shows that they do too? Um, it, it's just a matter of, of how big of an MMA fan you are. Yeah, on a personal level, I don't like it because for one, my fight pass with, with my job, obviously if I need to watch Invicta for work or a fight pass event, and then anytime I want to do my notes or studying, I just had the fight pass and it's right there, all the old fights that have already aired. So I just have them. I don't like it for me because now 
if I'm going to use ESPN Plus for that, I feel like I'm paying for two things that do exactly the same thing for me. Right. It's kind of like having two cars. I can only ever drive one. So why, you know, if I'm not rolling in dough, why do I need another one? <laughs> so it's a little bit of that. But And then once again, I think you said it right. It's about how big the fans are. I think if I'm Invicta, I get a little worried. I think um, Cage Warriors and other international promotions don't have that fear exactly because they don't necessarily market to the United States. But Invicta, I think, is going to be the big question. How do they, you know, adapt to this? Do they start looking for deals like on Access TV or something where you have LFA or something like that? I think that's going to be the big question is, do they still feel that it's worth it for them to be on Fight Pass? Um, finally, um, brief question. Do you think that this upcoming season of The Ultimate Fighter with the women's featherweights is going to be the last one ever of tough? I think it will be because, you know, one, they've been saying this for, you know, a couple of seasons now, like, oh, this might be the last one. And the last few seasons have been, um, I guess, put together, uh, like the theme of them, it seems like they're, they're putting together these themes of like, okay, we've already done, you know, all these different weight divisions. Um, what else could we do to make this interesting? What else have we always wanted to try with this concept? So I think I'm very happy that they're doing a tough season around the 145 division, because like we've talked to you for the last year, that division for sure needed some attention and we needed to see that there are enough competitors at 145, um, you know, to face current champ, uh, Chris Cyborg. So I love that they're doing this, um, season, but I do think that this will be the last one just because it looks like, you know, clearly they're trying to, to make some big changes and, um, I don't know. I think when you make a big change, like signing with a new, you know, company like ESPN, it's kind of like, all right, let's start fresh, close the door on everything great we've already accomplished and let's try some new stuff. Yeah. To me, I mean, the point of the ultimate fighter was it was a Trojan horse. Um, You find the best unsigned talent. Now look how many people you can find at LFA in England, in China, in Brazil, in Invicta, in Bellator. The Ultimate Fighter isn't necessarily the big, you know, way to find these free agent talent. Now, credit to the show. They have made, they have had a lot of champions. Michael Bisping, Rashad, Forrest Griffin, you know, the list goes on and on. I don't count people who got belts at the end of their season. So, sorry, Carlos Spars and others. But it has churned out and drafted some big talent. So, it does, it does still have its purpose. But that being said, like you said, changing business, um, one of the things about Contender Series, people like it. You don't have to be invested for several weeks for Ultimate, uh, like Ultimate Fighter. Contender right. Series, you tune in once. Dana White is there. It has the same feel of the you know, Ultimate Fighter a bit because they're in the gym where they do the show and all that. And it's just quicker. And I think that that's why so many networks liked the Contender Series. That's why it was in play going forward. I think that Ultimate Fighter just has lost a lot of the novelty. Yes, you know, these people are fighting for it, but it's hard to keep it feeling new. So I also agree. I think that it's reached the end of its course. I think that Ultimate Fighter just, um, those other options, if you're UFC, on how to make programming that I don't think the Ultimate Fighter just really has a place with things becoming so much faster in the way people want their MMA specifically. So I do think it will be the end, but it's been a fun ride. I mean, even before you and I talked about it, I'm sure between us we've seen more episodes of Tough than are even healthy, and that's okay because it was, it's been a fun ride for the Ultimate Fighter. For sure. Moving on, uh, this uh, news story, I was very disappointed in so many reasons. Nick Diaz arrested for assault um, on last Friday. So reports are coming out. It was domestic battery by strangulation. There are reports stating that Diaz was resisting arrest and that 12 patrol cars were dispatched and that he was still resisting arrest while he was in custody. 
Diaz did have a video on Instagram where he showed that he was hurt on his elbow. Um, we know he was just released to come back to the UFC, but Kayla, I mean, I, I guess I don't know what what to think. It's like, what, what are you doing kind of deal? I mean, uh, one, um, everyone is, we're, we're, you know, deserves their due process, but from what we're hearing, this is a very serious situation. So I don't really know if I grant clemency. What are your thoughts on this whole Nick Diaz situation? Well, why are you fighting a bunch of cops and then wondering why you got messed up? Like, duh. Um, yeah, it's disappointing. I think that this is just another, um, I guess, example of, of how he's not he probably, I don't, I don't see him coming back. I don't think that he, um, you know, has any plans to fight in MMA maybe ever again, but, um, you know, we were all wondering, okay, he's clear to fight. Are we going to see him back in there for one last run? Um, you know, the day after he was posting videos of him partying, um, you know, not looking like he's going to take, uh, you know, MMA fighting seriously, um, anytime soon. And I think this just adds to it. It's unfortunate because I never really like to have fighters or athletes outside life, uh, dictate, you know, whether or not I'm a fan of them in the sport, but obviously, you know, abuse against women, um, is not cool. It's very disappointing. And it, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's disappointing. And I think that it would be silly for the UFC to even try to, book him a fight now because why are you going to you know invite someone back just because they do have of course a huge fan base and had a, a big career in MMA but why would you invite him back now of all times when he has stuff like this going on I agree um uh, I don't think you should he's a sideshow at this point uh, I'll be honest and I'm sorry if you are a big fan of Diaz and the Diaz brothers and their style and everything but really um are you telling me realistically you think he's going to come back after several years and he's going to beat Tyron Woodley? He's going to beat Darren Till. He's going to beat Kamaru. He's going to beat Santiago, Colby, uh, RDA. No, you know, stop, stop kidding yourself on that one, really. So I think that really just all of this, um, I hate to say it, but I think it's a reflection of character. Um, he is given his due process, but I think that, I think that we've, kind of gotten enough proof from what we do know about what it is and I think that's very unfortunate I don't think um I I think that anything in terms of oh I'll accept my suspension even though it's already up I think that's him trying to keep himself relevant and keep whatever money he makes off the MMA world I don't know if it's sponsorships or just any attention I just think that all of it is just a ploy to keep the news talking about him not because he's actually serious about getting on the grind and fighting and competing in mma so i think it's very unfortunate um i think that uh, i hope justice is served i hope they get all the facts and that the truth comes out in terms of this situation because it's a big name getting into some serious trouble and i think that um no favors should be granted just on star power or i'll say sentimental value just because you were a big fan of his fights moving on Kayla we do still have UFC this week you know to get things on a more positive swing UFC Utica I have heard it is one of the cities to have fights it's just a very small town but it's coming with some big action Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Moraes possibly a bantamweight title eliminator give me your thoughts on this fight yeah, I'm super excited for it. We're getting some top-ranked guys, like you said, a possible title eliminator. That's what people are calling it. And these guys are just, you know, to me, a definition of a mixed martial artist. They're so well-rounded. Um, I mean, Jimmy Rivera's current record is insane. Uh, Marlon Moraes obviously coming off some exciting performances. Um, it's a hard one to even predict because of that, too, because they're so skilled. Um, and that, that's what makes it exciting is we know that we're going to see two top guys, um, you know, in, in their prime face each other. Um, I mean, gee, I want to hear how you break it down. And I am very intrigued to hear, um, your, who you're predicting to get the win. 
Because I think it's going to be more of a matter of who really connects first, feels that power, and then, I don't know. Again, yeah, they're just both so skilled. So it's going to be interesting to see if Jimmy does try to take it to the ground um, or if someone's going to just figure each other out on the feet first. But I want to hear what you have to think or what you think. Oh, my God. You're going to put that pressure on me? <laughs> I mean, like, this is the first time you've been like, I really want to know how you break it down. It's like, oh, well, I'm curious just come to me. Have, um, winning in this one. Yeah, you know what? Okay, so, um, yeah, like you already said, Jimmy Rivera, just um, tough veteran, great win streak. Marlon Moraes, obviously now he's looked like the fighter we thought we would see when he came over from being the World Series of Fighting Bantamweight champion. Um, the thing about this one, well-rounded, I think that people sleep on Jimmy because he doesn't, I'm going to describe it this way, he doesn't have the sexiest performances, he doesn't come in and have that big knockout or big get you on the ground and just strangle the life out of you like he's Caleb Beatty. Um, he doesn't have those. He tends to be win off using his versatile skill set and just pressure and being tough. He takes your best shots, and then he just comes forward. He can take you down. That makes him a threat, and he's got solid stand-up. He's a tough guy to really hurt and do damage against. That's why he's so good. Marlon Moraes, similar. I think, though, he's a little more aggressive. He goes for a little more power shots. He looks for the finish a little more. That's why he's been as successful as he is and well-rounded. People forget that with his stand-up, he's also got a solid grappling game. Mm-hmm. That's why this one is going to be so much fun. I feel like Jimmy Rivera is ready to take what's his because he was supposed to have the fight with Dominic in December. Dominic got hurt on Christmas. They tried to make the Marlin fight. Marlin couldn't make the weight, wasn't close. Now he, he put off his honeymoon, the mm-hmm. holidays. Now he went on that vacation he earned. Now he's saying, you know what? I'm ready to take what's mine. I think Marlon is going to try to look for the finish, but I think that Jimmy is just going to wear him down. I have Jimmy Rivera winning a decision. What about you? I as well have um, Jimmy Rivera winning the decision because, yeah, I think that um, just like you say, I think he's going to be a little bit more calm and patient in there and, and I guess just smarter about the fight. I think that he'll use those takedowns to maybe etch out um, a few more points and, and get that decision win because I don't, but I don't know. Oh, it's so hard to, to predict because Marlon might, you know, pull off one of his tricky kicks, but I think I'm seeing Jimmy Rivera with decision. I think like you said, he's just more mentally prepared for it. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun. Um, uh, it could go either way. Like you just said, I think that's what's so exciting. Um, let, let me ask you just a yes or no. If they win, do they get the next shot at TJ or Cody? Yes. Yeah, I, I can't see how they don't. I even say you stay healthy coming into August because if one of them gets hurt, you probably can talk even an interim title shot if it's uh, TJ who gets hurt. So I stay ready if I'm either Jimmy or Marlon coming out of this one. Moving on to the – I'm a, I picked this one because I love the story going into it. Mm-hmm. Sayera Eubanks against Lauren Murphy on the prelims. Sarge was supposed to have the fight against Nico Montano for the title at the end of Tough. She fell out the day before with health issues during her weight cut. Lauren Murphy had her redemption taken on Barb Honchak. Kayla, I mean, how do you even break down this one? Because shouldn't this be a title eliminator? But I think we just know it's not. Yeah, and, and it is interesting that it's on the prelims as well. Um, but again, when a fighter can't make weight, sometimes these things play out this way where, you know, you have to work your way back up and prove that, um, you know, you're going to be more disciplined, which I read um, Sarge definitely is. She said that she went to the UFC Performance Center and said, look, can I realistically make this weight or should I go up? And they said, no, if you make these changes, you can. So. I'm excited, um, you know, in that sense to just see her perform um, with a more disciplined uh, mindset. Um, 
but yeah, the fight itself, we have two very tough, two um, very skilled and experienced ladies. I, you know, Lauren Murphy, of course, um, has more of experience and I think was a former champion for Invicta. Yep. And and has faced a lot of the top girls just within her division. But we know Sarge has the very um, strong, you know, grappling background. I, I think I read when she was um, a member on the Tough Season that she, for a long time before even making her MMA debut, was already training some of these top guys. I want to say like Dominic Cruz or somebody um, in jujitsu. So she has that strong, um, you know, grappling game. And then also is, of course, just going to be the bigger fighter, too, and has that power. But how do you see this one playing out, G? Well, one, uh, I mean, it's very cool because you and I technically have talked about both these women several times mm-hmm. because we were covering tough. I think when I look at Lauren versus Sarge, two women who like to come forward. But the thing is, I think Lauren likes to come forward with volume. Sarge prefers to come in trying to wing some big power. I think that's what surprised us because we thought she was a grappler. She doesn't have the best record, but instead she comes in looking to show off these heavy punches and kicks. And we saw she was able to put some ladies away on the show. So I think that's going to be the difference. I think that Lauren is more battle tested. Mm -hmm. I think that she implements her game plan better. I watched the fight back with Sarge and Roxanne. And I felt like Roxanne just left more openings. I don't see that being the same issue against Lauren Murphy. I think Lauren is going to be more prepared because she's been around Sarge and has been able to watch her more. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to work to her advantage. Um, Three rounds, it really favors Sarge if she could get going. I actually have Lauren Murphy, though. I think that Lauren is going to know how to come in with a just high guard and be able to just make Sarge work. I think she's going to be able to tire her out with her pressure. So I have a decision for Murphy. What about you? Gee, we're in agreement this weekend. We've been getting along these past couple weeks. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like we're, uh-huh. it's like we're in sync and we do this every week or something. <laughs> Yeah, no, I see it playing out um, very similar, too. I think that, like you said, she's going to tire Sarge out. And um, I don't know. I, I, I need to see a healthy Sarge fight to be a, a believer in her being one of these top ladies in this division. So right now I'm going to assume that maybe the weight cut's going to be a little bit more difficult um, on her, and that's why Lauren's going to be able to get in and out. She's also, Sarge has been very open about saying she's looking for a big knockout. So I I'm sure if we're already predicting that that's how it's going to play out too, that Lauren's prepared for her coming in and trying to look for that power shot. So I also mm-hmm. see Lauren finishing the fight. You said that you see her finishing in the second. I actually have a decision for Lauren. Oh, decision. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know then I'm thinking, you think she gets her out of there? Yeah, I think she does like maybe later second, early third. I mean, it's certainly it can happen. Lauren is a tough girl. Um, before we wrap this up and uh, sign off for the week, uh, the winner, how do you even match them up? I- I'll say this. I think that you have Jennifer Maya, the Invicta flyweight champion and number one ranked flyweight. She's making her UFC debut in July, I think against Liz Carmouche. Mm-hmm. I put the winner of Sarge and Lauren against Andrea Lee for like the third place in line. I think that's how you fit them in the title picture considering where they were at on tough with Nico Montano and everything else. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. I think that makes sense just as far as where all the ladies are. You know that I don't want Andrea Lee to be pushed too quickly. Um, but I think that just because of the ladies experience being on the show, Sarge almost having the shot, the title shot. Um, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, but we are in accordance. We are picking Jimmy Rivera to defeat Marlon Moraes and Lauren Murphy to upset Sayura Eubanks. Kayla, these one a weeks are very interesting because I feel like I almost want to do a second show just when a lot of news breaks. It's mm-hmm. been very interesting just what are your thoughts for this week coming up and where can the fans keep up with you? Yeah. Well, fans, if you want 
to chat with us more, just like G said about all of the news that's always breaking with MMA and fights being put together, you can always follow us on social media. Mine is fangirl underscore MMA on Instagram and Twitter, just fangirl MMA on Facebook. Um, yeah, G, there's just uh, lots of MMA biz and, and content pushing through, but it's exciting. We have some, some really exciting fights coming up for summer. Where can the fans find you to hear how you feel about all of it? Well, fans, you know, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. You just spell out the word double, D-O-U-B-L-E-G on TV. And yeah, fans, you guys can keep in touch with me. I will be at some MMA events soon. Um, I will be inviting Miss Fangirl MMA. And so, yeah. Yes, so I will have a surprise for you if you are available, Miss Fangirl. But yeah, fans will be back next week. Kayla, before I let you go, UFC 226, Colby RDA, Whitaker Romero. I am so excited to talk about that one next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Have a great afternoon, guys, and we'll be back next week.